Well, I'm delighted to say that uh, joining me on the Godcast this week is Alex Lowe. Now, Alex is, well, maybe his face as we see it now is less familiar, but he is the man behind uh, comedy creations, uh, Clinton Baptiste, and and uh, one of my favourites, Barry from Watford. Alex, welcome to the Godcast. How are you doing? Oh, all right. Thanks. Great to be here. Thanks for asking me. Appreciate it. You're you're holed up in a, in sunny Salford this morning with the snow. Is that right? Yes, we're in a Premier Inn. I spend my life in Premier Inns on this tour, um, which I don't mind. You know, I always think there's a lot of um, people who say, oh, it must be awful going around all these endless hotels, touring all the time. And I think, what's not to like about it? You know, there's a nice yeah. bed. Uh, the telly's there. You don't have to clean anything. Breakfast is made. I love it. Good breakfast so, this yeah. morning. Well, I, as you can hear, I've got a bit of a funny... This is interesting for everyone, isn't it? Um, I, I've, I've got a bit of a chest. After 48 shows, I'm absolutely exhausted. And um, so I'm trying my best not to have too much dairy. Um, I'm just... I'm trying to be good. And also, I've lost a bit of weight on this tour. And, I, and I'm trying to not have red meat. I don't think I've had a single sausage in, uh, <laughs> in 48 hotels. Uh, you know, so I'm trying to be good. So I, I had the bare minimum. <laughs> there's there's the headline right there, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Not had a single sausage on this tour. Not one sausage. <laughs> no. So yeah. so so tonight of all nights, Alex, it's it's World Cup quarter final night, isn't it? In oh, Salford. In, and you're yes. you're you happen to be on at the Lowry there. You're slightly concerned uh, you make uh, you make play second fiddle to the World Cup. Uh, well, there is that. I mean, that's been throughout the World Cup. We've had some huge, you know, we played um, Shepherd's Bush Empire and England were playing that night. We've we've got this one tonight for our final show on the tour. And um, I'm going to have the laptop up in the dressing room. Uh, but I think what happens is, honestly, people do still turn up. And I think if people have paid for tickets, they go, well, I'm not going to miss that. Um, so yeah, thankfully, so far, everyone seems to have turned up for those, you know, during those England matches. Maybe tonight is different, it's the quarter final. Who knows? Have you have you enjoyed this tour, Alex? Is it is it you know, do you do you you know, you your your gravitas to to fame and stardom is is um you know, you're 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 an age uh, similar vintage to myself, I would guess, yes. and you're doing yes. you know, you're really enjoying the success at the moment. Are you playing to well, sold out crowds? How's it yeah, been? I, I've got to say, you know, honestly, uh, it's such a delight to speak to you and to be asked to speak on things like podcasts, which increasingly happens nowadays. Because quite honestly, I've spent most of my career with no one giving two hoots what I'm doing and, and all the rest. Of it. I'm, I'm, I think lots of people, you know, I'm a sort of jobbing actor. I've never had to do anything else, thank goodness. But I was a child actor. And then I did a terrible degree at Leicester Polytechnic in performing arts, which was just, you know, horrifically underfunded, but that somehow taught us some sort of um, self-preservation and, you know, sort of getting down and dirty and, and getting on with things without expecting anything to happen from it. And so after years of, you know, performing and, and being with Jack of all trades and, writing comedy and doing stand-up and being a straight actor and all the rest of it to to arrive in my 50s and and people want to come and see what I'm doing is great I can't pretend it's nothing to do with Peter Kay and Phoenix Knight so there is there is that but 
I mean, it, it, it's really gratifying. Sometimes, you know, people say, oh, I've been following your career for a while. And I think, well, I wish you'd someone to let me know during the darker days when I didn't know anyone was interested. Absolutely. So, yeah, I love it. That's yeah. a long answer to a short question. I love it. You know, it's so it's so gratifying. This is sort of my third UK tour. And hopefully I have, you know, people will turn up for more. But to turn up in Salford and these places and gosh, right up north in uh, Barrow in Furness and in Scotland. And, and to think, you know, there's this lad from Pinner in northwest <laughs> London. And they've come to see me, you know, I, I really love that. It's delightful. I noticed that you you played Blackpool Tower um, yeah. just a week or two ago. And um, there's lots of venues in, in, in Blackpool. What was, first of all, did you play in the circus arena there or, or was it uh, in the ballroom? Where, whereabouts was the gig? I tell you what, it's a fairly new place and it's called Floor 5, I think. Okay. Fifth floor. And um, now this is going to be controversial, <laughs> but... Uh, we've played there before, we pack it out, I'm delighted with the audience that come, but there's a few things wrong with it, there's no comms, there's no communication between backstage and, you know, the lighting box. I also had people complaining that the, uh, that it's really understaffed where we were, I don't know whether it was because of a Sunday, I don't know, but there was no one around, it was freezing cold, there's a lot of sort of agency staff there. The technical people don't work for the Blackpool Tower, it seems. Yeah. And people have been saying that uh, they had trouble even finding out to get into the venue. People were late. And that is something I have to say I've found about some places up and down the country. It seems to me at the moment everything is being done on a skeleton staff. You know, there's somewhere like Blackpool Tower. I'm thrilled to go there. It's a major, you know, landmark in Britain. And you turn up and it's... You know, it needs a bit of work doing to it. Yeah. It's there's no one around. It's freezing cold. You know, it's a bit like, do you want people to come into this venue or not? So yeah. I found that a bit upsetting. And you know, I would have, and they were a lovely audience, and they were very warm and and as they always are in the northwest, I have to say. But I did feel sorry for people who had to complain that they couldn't even find their way into the venue. <laughs> So um, I'm slightly less pleased with Blackpool Tower than I am. Oh, dear. Myself. Oh, dear. I'm sorry I asked now. <laughs> no, no. Well, i tell you what is lovely. Oh, and I recommend yeah. it to anyone. Lytham St. Anne's down the road. Oh, yeah. Loudly. Yeah, lovely. I Oh, if I, I could only, um, you know, get enough money from my touring to buy a flat or something, I would happily, because, you know, all my gigs playing Clinton Baptiste are up in the Northwest, it mm. seems. That if I could have a base in somewhere like Lytham and and go out from there, oh, it would be great. I'm really in love with that place. Uh, but I guess Clinton played on the weaknesses of the tower, did it? A man of your skill and dexterity, <laughs> it didn't go unnoticed in the act, I would guess. Uh, no, well, I've got to be honest with you. Um, it's with this show. There's me and Lewis McLeod playing um, Ramon, who is of course a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant mimic. Uh, what we tend to do is, because we're getting so old now, we have 90 minutes of material to remember and deviating from it is not always the option. You know, <laughs> I think on my own, there, there's other stuff I would have done. But, you know, these things are like you're on stage, you've got a duty to someone to sort of stick within <laughs> what we planned. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lovely it's a lovely venue and it was absolutely rammed and people were laughing a lot. It's not their fault. So I don't want to sort of remind them. Yeah, I, I went to see uh, Blamange in Darwin. And wow. uh, 
and I and I got there before he before the act did. They said that they, the doors open at seven, and yeah, so yeah. I thought there'd be a support act on, but literally there was just a guy putting the boiler on, you know, and it, really? it did take the edge off the evening. Although although the band was still fabulous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Clinton, where did where did your love of uh, comedy characters come from? You know, um, you know, as a, as a younger guy. Um, yeah, you know who who are you really laughing at yourself? <clears throat> well, do you know what I, I? There was, I think about it now. There was a real divide in my family. My dad's lot at sort of East End. Uh, you know, they're from Southeast London, and and during the war there was this move, you know, to get people into the Green Belt and away from. There was a, I think there was some sort of armaments factory just down the road from them, and so so they were being bombed during the war, and they moved out to um, South Harrow in Northwest London, which is a sort of Green Belty area. And they are the real, they were sort of, you know, my my uh, uncle played the piano. My dad was a saxophone player. And they had slightly more of a sort of artistic bent about them, whether my mum's lot are much more sort of scientists and very straight-laced in that department. So um, I was, when I think now, my dear old dad, there was a lot of store put by jokes and comedy. And, you know, I always remember, I would think now with a great affection how, he would encourage me to to um, enter uh, caption contests. You know, I was a big Queens Park Rangers fan, and in the program they'd have hit what what's the caption here? There'd be Stan Bowles or you know one of these QPR players, mm. and and I would you know and I always kind of thought I don't think my mum probably there was a load of nonsense, but my dad would be like, no, th- th- what a skill to be able to write a joke here, you know. So um, that lot, you know, I remember my nan, I always remember distinctly when Porridge came out on BBC One, her saying, oh, she loved Ronnie Barker. Let's watch that. And of course, that, I mean, Ronnie Barker, to answer your question, what a fantastic, I mean, part of me genuinely can't believe that Fletcher is, was not a real person. Yeah. Do you know that idea? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. so three-dimensional. And maybe it's because it was my age and I sort of grew up with it and it feels so real and visceral. But Fletcher, Ronnie Barker was a huge, I was a huge, huge fan of Ronnie Barker. I love the two Ronnies. Mike Yarwood, the the uh, impressionist. I remember my dad took us to see him at the Winter Gardens in Bournemouth. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I mean, to this day, I, I, I think it was so simple. It wasn't all singing or dancing. He had a little box of hats and scarves and, and a you know a Harold Wilson pipe yeah and the simplicity of you know they they were I mean I said those it wasn't all singing and dancing I think there were some sort of tiller girls or something in the first half and some sort of magic act or something and the second half was this tour de force of reaching into this box so simple and I it, it was absolutely captivating the simplicity yeah. of and just putting on um you know a hat or a scarf or whatever and and, and morphing into these characters and um, so I think th- those were the main ones, you know, and then uh, as I got into my early teens, you, people like Rick and Aid, you know, mm. uh, Elton, that sort of alternative thing, which absolutely blew my head off. And I, and, and to this day, I think people like Harry Hill, um, you know, I have such admiration for the slightly surreal side of comedy which I don't do. I can't do it. I'm mm. much more bread and butter, end of the pier. Here's the setup. Here's the punchline. It's all logical. It's a sort of slight twist on something. But but that that sort of thing, I really like yeah. when it's done really well, not just kind of surreal and you go, well, yes, ooh, 
you know, a ghost in a tin, but something that's that's so it's surreally logical. Yeah. Where you go, oh, I can see what yes, I've thought that. That's that is a sort of madness. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, so it's, it's yeah, it's it's lovely you talking like that. I mean, I was I'm a guy that was brought up on summer seasons and you know, yes. I, I remember seeing the Russ Abbott show on the North yeah. Pier at Blackpool when it was going, it was twice nightly from May until November and it was sold out. And then, you know, yeah. I, I became really a huge fan of Les Dawson, seeing him in yes. Run For Your yeah. Wife with Eric Sykes. And, Absolutely. you know, the, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I'm just interested to know what you think about the role of uh, the straight man in a, in a, in a comedy partnership, uh, Alex. You know, I, I interviewed <laughs> recently Tommy Cannon, yeah, yeah. Um, it was fascinating listening to him talk about his his career. You know, do you think sometimes we underplay the skill of a of the stooge or the straight man in comedy? Well, I do actually. Yeah, I mean, the, interestingly enough, with the show we're doing at the moment, Clint Baptiste versus Ramon. Um, I hope I'm not giving away too many secrets, but you know, a fantastic director, um, Brendan O'Hay, he directs at the the Globe and what have you, and he. When during rehearsals, there's a bit where Clinton, you know, takes out these uh, Chinese fortune cookies, which is another way of doing jokes about kind of the future and, uh, you know, um, prophecies and what have you. And it, Lewis took a lot of convincing. He would be going, but I'm just standing here offering him the bowl. And Brendan was going, you don't understand the power in that stillness. You don't have to be running around the stage, pulling focus, mugging to the audience, you know, that stillness. And 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 it, sure enough, that's what happens on the tour. You know, he's got this sort of straight face, stood there, rigid, like the whole thing's a very sacred ceremony. It doesn't have to be all singing, as I say, use the expression again, all singing, all dancing. You know, you don't have to have a dealy bopper and lights and a comedy bow tie. The stillness and what the other guy's playing against is every every bit, you know, uh, part of the scene as the jokes. Yeah. So let's just talk about some of the characters. Uh, you know, Barry from Watford, Alex. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, and I'm not blowing smoke up the proverbial. I think he's a one, I think he's a wonderful uh, character. I love him. Very kind of you. Um, Rabbit is a very elderly man there, and I want to thank you so much for being interested in him. You see, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's based. I mean, he is based on all my Cockney ding dong forebears, <laughs> who all spoke. You know, and in that, I, I, I saw you know the sort of esophagus sort of falling apart in the back of the throat. You see, and not having the lung capacity to finish the sentence. You know, but um, I used to do that on Steve Wright's show on Radio Two, and I think Steve Wright, you know, he's got old Cockney family you know from south end or somewhere like that so he kind of got that but i mean yeah that's sort of supposed to be a, a, an homage to my to my cockney lot what what i love about him alex is he's um he's a character but he's a real person so in a similar way to the old old nan you know um, yeah. they're very relatable and you know it, you know even barry from watford uh, yeah. Reminds me of my mum, you know, who's, who's a oh, southerner yeah. in her eighties, and comes out with faux pas and yes, you yes, know. yeah, yeah, that's right. But and, and the the carpet right sketch, oh yeah, 
Alex, that gets me every time. I just go around yeah. shoving it in people's faces. Just watch that. <laughs> you want cheering up? Just watch that. It's just. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's so I real. That... Oh well, that's. Good. I'm glad about that. I, I I hope people. I mean, I sometimes think you don't. I don't know if you. Well, you must do get old people like that. Older people like that now. You know, when I was growing up, I feel like. No, they weren't trying to be young. You know, you some sometimes my wife calls them 1661s, where from the back you go, look at that lovely, beautiful blonde hair. And then she turns around, you think she's 16, turns around, she's 61, you know, and, and dressing as, you know, young teenagers. It was sort of, you know, they, they, they were what they were, you know. And was it quite easy to run with Barry from Watford, Alex? Because, you know, he, he, he um, you know, we, were you clear? Were you determined to go with this character? You know, you well, know, because in all in 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 all intents and purposes, it's Barry from Watford. You know, it's yeah. Do you know what was re- I? First of all, you know, as I say, I was, I was much more. I've been a straight actor for many many years, and I I it's only sort of in my forties I started doing stand up, and I had this character. It was a very deliberate attempt to do something. I just want to. I felt a bit like um, Tootsie. You know, Dustin Hoffman. My career was all right. It was going okay. But I, I really literally had to change everything. And and I, I got Aaron Sherman, who was a prosthetic whiz, to design this face. And I had the, you know, prosthetic face that I used to put on. As I'm getting older, I don't need it so much now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I used to put this thing on and turn up early for gigs. And I was sort of determined to do it. Because I was very naive, you know. I thought, oh well, you know, it's another form, a strand of performance. I didn't really know that many stand-up comics. I didn't really know the circuit at all, and so I would turn up early and put on my prosthetic face, and there'd be these hard-bitten comedians in there, not like actors who will throw their arms around you, darling, and make everyone feel at home. It's very much a kind of, well, this is my fifteen minutes, you know, you're doing yours, um, and to my horror, with a couple of them, I realised that. You know, if you're at Jonglers back in the in the early noughties and um, people don't necessarily want your <laughs> nicely observed old man, the three dimensional take. They want you to shout and swear at them and, and be like a, a teacher, you know, sort of trying to take hold of an unruly class. And, and all the lovely detail you put in is slightly wasted sometimes on a very drunk stag and hen party. So it was quickly apparent to me that this is not necessarily the platform for Barry from Watford. Although I, you know, it was not, you know, fifty percent of the time it went pretty well. But in the end, I just had to say, this is this is not right. This is just not the platform. Um, but you know, I did a few gigs as Barry, and um, it was great to get on Steve Wright in the afternoon. And one of my heroes, of course, as we say, we're similar age. I don't know whether the kids understand that, but, you know, when you think about the household Mm. names Mm. that were Simon Bates and Steve Wright and uh, Simon Mayo and, you know, well, some of these people I won't mention, but... um, (laughs) Leave it there with the DJs. Leave it there. Um, (laughs) You know, those those guys. And so to be sat there in the studio at Radio 2 with Steve Wright opposite me, it was so thrilling. I'm sure, yeah. And and he would sort of give me free range and I would write this thing during the week and we'd make a few little tweaks. But, I mean, just wonderful. Loved it. Lovely. Well, lovely to hear, you know. and, and And then, of course, this incredible journey that um phoenix nights came along 
that just went through the roof, didn't it? You know, and um, I guess it changed your life significantly. Um, did it? Did it? Well, did that happen quite quickly, or, or did it take a year or two? Oh well, I mean, when Phoenix Nice first came out, it had no effect on my career. I was only uh, in it for about five minutes. And um, I'll be honest with you, a lot of people thought it was Neil Fitzmaurice because we look quite similar. We've got a similar nose. I, I did. For a while, yeah. I did. Yeah. It, people thought it was Neil. <laughs> it's so irritating. And I think even now he gets people contacting him. But the thing that was really great was that in 2015, which is, you know, 14 years after Phoenix Knights came out, and I'd, done, I'd played uh, Clinton on a couple of things with Peter. Uh, well, one thing, the Jesus Christ superstar Remember that thing, the the you remember the X Factor parody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I played Clinton on that, and then we did Phoenix Nights Live at Manchester Arena, mm. and I would say from that moment it it changed things because Peter let me. He said, "Look, I said I really want to do this character on the comedy circuit," and Peter said, "I don't have any problem with you doing that." You know, it's sort of his creation and Neil Fitzmorris and and Dave Spikey's creation, and they sort of give me their blessing. So thankfully that is what really did it and uh peter lets me go out there i, I always check everything with peter religiously you know i i say i'm, I'm gonna do this and you know i've got another tour coming up hopefully in 16 months which i've got to approach peter about and i just hope that you know he's gonna be fine about that but um yeah i he's very very uh magnanimous of him is that the word for to, to let me do it you know yeah yeah there's a, there's a few connections i uh, did a little bit with Dave spikey previously um and 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 ted robbins used to run the local radio lancashire breakfast show and he and he did some writing workshops which i uh, was involved with which were great fun but of course ted fell ill didn't he on that tour alex and and that must have been quite I, a concern uh, for everyone well, I was sharing a dressing room with Ted. It was me and Steve Royal. You know, Steve Royal, who mm -hmm. does uh, the juggling. And we were having a great time. And we, you know, it was quite nerve wracking because, you know, being comic relief, there wasn't a lot of time to rehearse. We'd had a couple of days in Wakefield in some giant hangar. I'm just going to cough. <laughs> Sorry, this tour is catching up on me. And um, so we turned up the next day at Manchester Arena and... We suddenly thought, oh, no, this is enormous. What are we going to do? We've barely rehearsed. Everyone was a bit shocked. Ted had just come back from doing Panto. He'd not been that well. Um, and he had to climb up a sort of stepladder thing to get onto the stage for his bit. There were kind of fire rockets going off. He had a bit of a sort of dance number at the start. It was all, you know, it was quite energetic and I think kind of a bit overwhelming. And... It was a real shock because we'd been in the dressing room before. And I mean, he'll tell you this, that he had a sort of premonition where he'd said to uh, Toby Foster, if I collapse on stage tonight, I'm not kidding. Please do something about it, which was incredible. And Ted is, is doing some research. There is a school of thought that says that your body tells you that something is going to happen not long before. It just prepares you mentally. Something mm -hmm. happens. And he sort of had this feeling that that was going to happen. Yeah. And sure enough, he collapsed. And, you know, because it was we'd barely rehearsed, the cameras swoop in, just thought it was part of the act. It was a bit of a kind of Tommy Cooper moment. This mm -hmm. is very to talk about. And his image collapsed on the stage. It was 100 foot in the air on the great screens. Crikey. 
you could hear the sort of death rattles almost. It was just so shocking and terrifying. Mm. And people were still laughing and people in the green room were laughing. And, and I immediately knew mm. that something was wrong. And uh, I remember Barbara Nice uh, coming in uh, and, um, you know, everyone was very shocked and it was all really, really distressing. And, and the audience sort of left very, very quietly. It reminded me of that Patrice Mwamba moment, you know, the Bolton. Mm, yeah. Uh, Bolton? Was he playing for Bolton? Yeah, it was Bolton, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, where where everyone sort of picked up what happened and was very respectful and it was just silent as people left. And luckily, luckily, Ted survived. And uh, he's a great mate of mine. We're doing this show in Rawtonstall soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I mean, the thing the, the thing that really disappointed me, this sounds really <laughs> glib, actually, is that before he'd gone on, he'd we, we'd sort of gone through our words, our, our lines in the dressing room. I'll shut up in a minute, don't worry. And he'd said to me, uh, he's going to do this line which goes... Um, you know that look at that lovely, lovely, that wonderful that 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 jacket you're wearing, all your clothes, your whole outfit, madam, in the front there. If I ever win the lottery, I'm going to buy an entire outfit like that. I just need those three numbers to come off. That <laughs> 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 was such a great joke, and he didn't do it. And I think he was sort of mind was in a, you know, he was obviously delirious or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we, are we struggling and he he said something else which wasn't nearly as funny and then with that he sort of fell over so it was all i mean it was awful but i'm so glad he's still with us yeah me too he's a, he's a lovely guy he's a lovely guy he's much loved in this part of the world i know that definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and then and then on from phoenix nights you know the there's a lot of questions wasn't there but why it doesn't return or why it hasn't returned i know dave spike he always felt that there was a, a christmas special maybe to be had um, yeah, but but what's your feelings about it now? Do you, do you think there is mileage ever if it was to be oh, about, I, or is it best left where it is? I have absolutely no idea, and you know, rather selfishly, if it ever came back and I wasn't in it, I'd be so upset. <laughs> um, I the only thing I do the, the only thing I do think is I remember being on the stage, and at the end there was this sort of mock uh no it wasn't a mock thing at all because we were raising money for comic relief but there was a sort of cheesy uh charity video that happened at the end with brian potter and at the end it came up brian potter 1958 to 20 uh, to, to 2015 and and it was almost like that's it i put a you know a line under it and I think that was the feeling from Peter that that's the end of it, and that and everyone's kind of looked around and went, oh, I thought, oh, that's it then, is it? And then he sort of said to me since, you know, have the wig, have the costume, you know, we're we're not doing it again, sort of thing. But I don't know. What do I know? I mean, I I I've never asked Peter that. I I would love to do some more. I'd love yeah. him to do some more. You know, well, he's, I, touring I for know. The, he's touring for the next 20 years, isn't he? I think I've got tickets for my 80th birthday. Oh, I know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. I think people, I mean, sometimes less is more, isn't it? They always go on about 40 Towers and what have you. They just did those 12 episodes or whatever it was. But I mean, people love it so much. And I feel really honoured. I come up to the Northwest and... Uh, to be a part of that thing, you know, it's not, it's, uh, you know, and I was only in it for five minutes. So 
I'm eternally grateful to just uh, a brilliant character though. Just a brilliant character. Uh, I think it's it, you know, to be fair, it's it's such a British thing, isn't it? We love to see the cogs working. Yeah. We like the plucky loser. We don't really like the real hero. Absolutely, heroes. yeah. You know, I mean if England lose tonight, if we win tonight, that's almost anathema. You know, it, it losing is the national characteristic and how close we came and the bittersweet agony of that. Yeah. You know, and, we and, like losing. And people who who haven't yet seen the live show with Clinton and Ramon, uh, just tell us tell us a bit about that, Alex. Have the characters evolved, or are they as they were back then? What what can people expect? Well, in the podcast, I mean, we I do this Clinton Baptist Paranormal podcast, and we and Ramon is Clinton's arch rival. Um, It's it's slightly more adult than uh, I've done before, but. there's this sort of bitchy, uh, catty, slightly camp relationship between the two of them. And we, you know, it was so popular on the podcast. And when I did my last tour, everyone was saying, where's Ramon? I'd get on stage to be shouting for Ramon. And so we, I'd written this thing with Lewis and uh, Brendan called Clinton Baptiste versus Ramon, where the two of them sort of go head to head. So I've always thought, how funny if two clairvoyant medium psychics get together and claim to be channeling the same person. I mean, how how does that work? Which was the kind of premise. Uh, and so it's about them going head to head, but I want to assure, you know, there's it, it, they get a bit sort of at each other's throats, but we, we sort of decided early on that there's so much misery around at the moment that, you know, it ends nicely and they're, they're friends. So it'd be terrible just it to be a sort of shouting fest, which it isn't, thank goodness. Yeah. And 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 Salford tonight, and then what's the plan to have a, a bit of a breather before you go again in the new year? Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to um, Salford tonight, which would be lovely. The, the last one, 48 uh, shows, I'm really, really exhausted. And, uh, you know, it, there are more exhausting things to do, but there's something about the adrenaline, you know, whipping up night after night and then whipping it up again and getting hot and sweaty and then going out into the cold and lugging the props to the car that after a while takes its toll, particularly with someone like me in 54. Um, so what I'm going to do is have a, I've got a charity thing tomorrow in Newcastle with some really great comedians, which I'm honoured to be asked to do. And then I've got, I, mean, I do have some gigs dotted around because I've got to earn some money for my tax bill. <laughs> Uh, but I want to have a bit of a break for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, how long does it take you to come down after a show? You know, are you kind of in the, uh, you know, are you wide awake yeah. till the early hours or, or do, you, do you have a way to wind down after a gig? Well, you know, um, my friend uh, Dan Skinner, who plays Angelos Epithemio, mm. he always says you just can't relax. And I know that, that uh, Lewis can't either. I sort of can after a while. I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm not necessarily going to sleep, but I'm not I'm not sort of bouncing off the walls and having to go and have a drink and hit the town. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I, I watch a lot of telly. I have a, a hot bath. Luckily, the Premier Inn chain still have baths. Some don't. Some hotels are just to Stop shower. Stop name dropping that posh hotel you're in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, for tea and coffee, little... Little bit, little milk sachets. It's all, it's all here. You're going to be telling us um, you've got an extra pillow next. <laughs> yeah. It's good enough for Lenny Henry. It's good enough for me. <laughs> um, so it's uh, yeah. So so you know, I I'm not too bad. I can go to sleep after a while. 
I'm obsessed yeah. with Twitter and Facebook and social mm -hmm. media and TikTok. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I've got to your leave that age. Alone. At your age. Yeah, you know, we're like us youngsters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know, Alex, I've loved I've loved chatting to you. I love chatting. Comedy uh -huh. is my passion. Uh, I'm off to see one of, one of your mates next week, Justin Morehouse, with uh, oh, yeah. a friend of yeah. mine, Tony Vino, is uh, is mm. somebody who's done some stuff with us at church. So it's uh, it's great, and 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 I'm I'm really glad you're well, and glad you've enjoyed the tour, and you that your voice holds up tonight. You're a QPR fan, you said. Well, the funny thing is, I my my uncle was a deputy chairman of QPR back in the glory days, and we used to go a lot. I was there for the plastic pitch in the eighties. Oh yeah. And then I stuck a picture of QPR versus Wolves on the fridge, and my son, who was seven at the time, went for the wrong ones. <laughs> and now I'm a season ticket holder at Molyneux. Can oh, you really? How interesting. It, you know. His middle class mum went, Oh, isn't that lovely? He's got his own thing. I said, You don't understand. That's it now. <laughs> and so now we're up and down the country to see Wolves. We're having a terrible, terrible season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no disrespect to QPR, who I will go back to when, you know, when the lad's older and he just wants to take his mates. But Loftus Road, though I love it, it's compact, is no Molyneux. No. You know, black country raw. It's sort of proper, proper, uh, you know, working class football and you know and it's there's just something about it i really mm. love the power yeah. of play. well i'm so, hoping i'm hoping the clarets i'm a big burnley fan alex i hope we yeah. replace wolves in the premier league and we beat well, queen's park rangers who we're playing today so that would be oh that is that be. what it is today oh yeah well, well. We, we're back in action well, good good old burnley i like burnley yeah. and of course my aiden went there and said the lovely thing is you can watch the cricket before you go in the ground that's you? right absolutely yeah, yeah. brilliant yeah. lovely yeah. stuff alex lovely to meet you uh, can you can you send us off in in uh, give us a bit? I love Barry from Watford. Say goodbye in 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 the style of Barry from Watford. Well, I'd uh, I just uh, 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 I'll say this. Uh, thank you to the podcast for having me on, and it just remains uh, well, really for me to say, no, 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 no. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.